Hey everyone, a quick programming note to round out the year. I'm going to be playing some of our most listened to episodes so you can hear the amazing content from our great guest again. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the show and all the support you've shown. It's truly appreciated. And now, on with the show. The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm excited to have you all today, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited to have on our guest. He is a fellow podcaster and the founder of the Myers Method, Jerome Myers. Jerome, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sir? Amazing, Cody. Thank you for having me on, man. So grateful to be with you today. No, listen, the pleasure's all on my side. And, and as we were talking, for those that, are, uh, that don't know, uh, Jerome has an uh, even better setup than I do. So we were talking about how jealous I am of, of his uh, audio equipment there. Jerome, I would imagine most people know your name, but just in case we have somebody that doesn't or, or hearing your voice for the first time, would love to get a little bit about where you're from, how you got into real estate, and what kind of real estate you find yourself in these days. Yeah, I'm from the great state of North Carolina. I grew up in Fayetteville. Today, I live in Greensboro. And that was after a short stint in Richmond, Virginia. Um, got into real estate, sitting on the stoop with my buddy Duran, sophomore year of college. And we were doing a little bit of math because that's what engineering students do in their free time. I was paying $3.95. He was doing the same. We had both had two roommates. And when we multiplied it out across the complex, the guy was making $700,000 a year. We never saw him. We never talked to him. Like, man, we don't need $700,000. What we could do with seventy? And problem was we didn't know anybody who actually owned apartments and so you're we like well i guess we'll go use our degrees and eventually come back to it and so when i dropped out of corporate america in 2016 i said i was going to go get that dream off the shelf and went and knocked on the door to a bunch of banks and they all told me they weren't going to give me a million dollar loan to go buy a building and eventually we got into the space but it wasn't without a bunch of bumps and bruises and a big part of that was because i was too stubborn to actually get some help, right? A lot right. of us think, hey, I'm in real estate, I'm just gonna go out here and do the thing, just go take action, but that's not the efficient or effective way to actually get into the space. Well, listen, uh, I know we talked about it a little when we were messaging back and forth to get you on the show, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of your show and I know we'll, we'll talk a lot, little bit more about it at the end, but uh, I think it's vitally important for us to understand that uh, this is a great and very lucrative and, and fantastic business to be in, but you are going to take some bumps and bruises and even some L's along the way to get to where you are. And and, and if you don't mind and, and would elaborate it with our audience, we'd love to hear from some of your experiences and the bruises that you took to get you to where you're at today as successful as you are. Yeah, I, I only wish I was successful. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, more than willing to talk about whatever, you know, I've got mistakes all the way through due diligence through operation man so you know open kimono because i feel like you know nobody should have to make the same mistake that i've made and that's part of the reason why we started helping people get into the space i i'm not in competition with you guys even though we want to buy in the same states like if we're in competition it's for a very very short period of time where we're competing on a single deal outside right. of that the better you do if i've got a building around the corner from yours the better I do, 
because you're raising rents, you're becoming more profitable, you sell yours. And you know, this is happening right now. Somebody's trying to sell a building around the corner for me. And if they get what they listed a thing for, then I'm going on the market right behind them right. because yep. Yep. the property value is insane. And uh, Hey, let's cash out, you know? Yeah. Well, I think about it like professional athletes. I mean, you don't, you, you like to see that first contract, that first big contract get signed, but the guys behind them, the girls and guys behind them, they're coming up for contract next. Those are the ones that are getting the real money. Cause they just, that first person just raised the value. So same thing in real estate. And also you never know, you know, we're investing in a lot of the same markets, you and I, and I know others in the area too. You never know when a joint venture opportunity might come up and sure. you know, there's, there's always that opportunity. It's competitive to, to a sense, but this community is really great about sharing that. I'm interested. We, you mentioned that you, you've made some mistakes along the way um, in different aspects of real estate. I, I'm interested. You know, a lot of our audience is probably either looking to get into real estate or relatively new in the real estate game. Where do you feel like maybe a mistake that you made early in your career as a rookie that would have been uh, something that you wish you wouldn't have made or that would have uh, set you up a little bit better for success now if you wouldn't have made that mistake? Yeah. School of hard knocks without question. You know, I used to listen to 40 hours of content a week trying to figure out how to do this thing instead of going through a course, instead of going through a boot camp, instead of going through a mentorship program. And while it probably has given me a unique perspective because I've learned from so many different people, the rate with which I was able to acquire that knowledge was very slow. Right, because I'm listening to the guy from the Northeast and the one from the Southwest and the guy in the Mid-Atlantic and then the gal in the Midwest. And it's like, all these people have a different perspective, slightly different, and all the pieces don't fit together exactly. And then when I actually got my puzzle and I dumped it out on the floor and I put all the pieces together, I realized that I had four or five pieces missing out of my jigsaw puzzle. And that is really frustrating. In fact, it becomes scary when you know there's million dollars million plus dollars on the line sure well and i think that's one of the things that people oftentimes overlook is investing in something like a mentor or a boot camp or or something like that there is a tangible cost to that but i don't think people realize the benefit or the cost savings that it could have on the back end specifically for a mentor we, my partner and i we have a mentor that we leverage on a regular basis and we know that one day we're going to have to come up to him and say, take a look at this. We want to validate what we're seeing. And we've already done it multiple times. And they're able to take their experience, their, their years and years and years of experience and overlook it and go, yes, you're correct. Or no, you're missing this piece. And that one piece, if we're missing, could be $20,000, $100,000, if not more. On the low side. Right. On the low side. And so you know, some of these coaches can range anywhere from five to $75,000. You just possibly 10 X the, the return on investment that you made just by having this coach and going through a program that you would not have learned to your point, going through the school of hard knocks. Um, Without question. And I think the coaches are an insurance policy, right? Mm -hmm. I, I will never promise anybody who comes through our course or comes to our conference or goes through coaching that they're going to make anything. But what I can promise them is that they won't drive off a bridge into a river and drown <laughs> because that's what I'm most worried about. You work all this time in order to accumulate some wealth 
And now you're ready to deploy it against the asset. And you want to make sure you do that right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back to my jolly old, hey, we're just going to go take action that a lot of people get from bigger pockets and maybe they get a bad rap and they shouldn't. But I just see so many people going out here and deploying hundreds of thousands of dollars into assets and they failed before they even got started because they bought the deal wrong. Well, let me ask you this, being that you you do have the program and I I know you see a lot of people going through that and not having to name anybody specifically, obviously, but would be interested. What are the common mistakes you see people making uh, that are going through the program or have gone through the program? What are, what are some of those common things that maybe some of our listeners can be uh, looking out for so that if they're going through it, they can be on the lookout for it, but also that if they have a mentor that they're trying to get those lessons, if not, you know, looking to partner with somebody you that can bring them those lessons. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I, I like to pick at, and I don't know if it's fair or not, but I think everybody goes and swings for the fence. They want to go hunt Moby Dick in their first deal, right? They bought a single family home and now they're going to go buy a $10 million asset. I just don't know that it's practical. I don't think anybody's going to really take them seriously, brokers or sellers or anybody. And so I encourage people to kind of pull it back, get their feet wet, get into the market, have a story about what they're doing in the market and what they've done with one of these assets, and then step up and then step up. For some reason, we're, we're just skipping everything. And now we've got to... $10 million in asset center management after doing our first deal. And, you know, it's great from a marketing perspective, but I don't actually think that the learnings that come along the way, if you skip those steps, allow you to be successful. You don't go from kindergarten to a college junior, right? right? There's, there's lessons learned along the way and the ability to fix those things with time or money when the deals are smaller are a whole lot easier than when you've got an asset that's got a hundred thousand dollar a month mortgage and the property didn't collect enough rent because of COVID and there was a fire that happened. So now a building's down, you got all these things converging on your property and you're trying to figure out how you're actually going to get through that month and a month after and a month after. And, you know, I, I know you've had Brian Burke on the show and I don't know if he talked about how many months that he wrote a check when his property wasn't cash flowing, but I don't know an operator who's been in the game for a long time that doesn't have a story similar to that. Now, sure, you can go have a capital call, but for some people that's worse than writing the check for themselves. I know it would be for me. And sure. so just, kind of walking down that process of making sure that you're staying on top of your skis instead of out in front of them. Cause if not, it can get bad really quickly because you're driving the Titanic versus, you know, a John boat when you get started. Right. The, the mistakes don't, don't feel as hard when, when you're doing in the John boat versus the Titanic. And, you know, we had even uh, Brian Briscoe on, uh, mm-hmm. on our show at one point in time. And he talked about how on their very first deal, they got their rate swapped at the last minute by Fanny and Freddie and they had to redo the whole underwriting and they actually took no money on their first deal. They made no money on their first deal. They still got the property because it was a great property and they believed in it and it was a good investment for their investors, but them as a group made no money. 
my favorite part about that was I asked him, said, Brian, tell me the delta between your first deal and your second deal. How many months? Four. Four months. And to your point, what you were saying, and I'm a firm believer, being able to 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 kind of scale up is incredibly helpful because then brokers take you way more seriously. If you're coming out with with brand new to the market, you maybe you did a, a single family or just none at all. You're just trying to get in. I can tell you, you're not getting the deals that everyone else is getting. You're not seeing the deals that you're probably seeing that Brian and Brian are probably seeing. They're seeing deals way before somebody new coming to the market. A broker's not showing them those deals. Without a question. And I mean, that would be the second thing I would say is if you're solely relying on brokers to bring you deals, your strategy is a failing one in the beginning. This is part of the reason why I tell people to buy smaller deals so you can get direct to seller, right? 150 unit building is probably going to trade on market unless there's an existing relationship and people are like, oh, well, I can trade that with you. The smaller deals, you can email you can mail, you can call mom and pop and say, Hey, you ready to retire? I can help you unlock your equity. Let's do a deal. You don't have to go with a bunch of tours. You don't have to do any of that. Boom, boom, boom. Right. And that's simple enough. Right. But we're taught in from our various gurus that, oh yeah, just build relationships with the brokers. The brokers don't really want to build a relationship with you unless they know you're going to close. I, they're in the business of transactions. That's mm-hmm. their business. So I, I, I get really weary when people are just waiting for, I'm waiting on a broker to bring me a deal. I'm waiting on a broker to bring me a deal. He's probably not going to bring you a deal if you don't have a deal. Well, and I think a lot of people jump in from the single family side to the multifamily side. And in single family, it's a lot different. It's do you have the cash? Because almost anybody and everyone can close if you have the cash. That's the most important thing, at least from what I keep hearing in single family. Whereas in the multifamily, everyone's got cash. With, with how much cash is in the market right now, everyone's got cash. That's not the challenge. What that broker and, and, and their seller want to know is, can you close the deal? And are you not going to be a pain to close the deal? Right? Like, do you have the experience to do it? And can you actually take it all the way to the end to make it happen? So I, I think there's a lot of value in what you're saying that uh, if you just do one and you're, you haven't gone through some of those stair steps, it can be a big challenge. Not to say that you can't do it. You just may face a lot more uphill battles than you realize you're going to do by not doing that approach. Yeah. And this comes back to having the mentor, right? If there's somebody there that can look over your shoulder, because honestly, there's so much celebration on social media about closing a deal, but that's like all the celebration about getting married. It's not about getting married. It's about staying married, right? It's not about closing the deal. It's about operating the deal profitably so that people get a return on their investment. Well, listen, we don't have time to go into all the social media stuff, but I think you're right. You know, it, it, all we see are the successes. And I know for, for you and your podcast and, and ours, it, we wanted to highlight that not everything is perfect. Not everything's easy. Not everyone's a multimillionaire sitting overseas, enjoying their yacht while they just get that total passive income. It's, it's a lot of work and a lot of struggle and a lot of failures and bumps and bruises along the way to get anything, but we're only going to post on social media. Hey, look at this deal. I just did. No, no one's talking about, no one's talking about the deal that they weren't able to pay their investors for the first six months because it wasn't cash flow and property properly. Yeah. And for the people who are getting in and get discouraged because everybody's perfect and they're making mistakes. It's, 
it, it makes them feel inadequate. And that was the experience that I had when I first got in. It was inadequacy because everybody that I listened to on a podcast was making all the money, had none of the problems, and things were just coming to them without any friction. And then I started talking to operators. It's like, yeah, no, that's not real. But if you don't actually expand your network and spend time with the people who are actually doing the thing, you, you'll have no clue unless you're listening to the resources like this, which most people don't actually want to listen to. But here's the thing. You learn so much more from the things that don't go right than the things that go perfect. And so this is where I, I think all the learning is, honestly. Yeah, I, I think somebody, and, and I'm going to mess up what they said. It was so good. I'd have to go back and listen to the episode. It, it's somewhere written down in my notes, but basically it was successes or, or great experiences, uh, but failures are the real lesson learners. That's where you're going to learn and grow the most if you're able to fail or struggle at something and come out the other end of it. Um, you're going to be way, way better off and have learned a lot more than somebody who's just knocking out of the park every time. You're, you're not really learning. That's not real world. Uh, you're going to hit a, a snag or a failure at some point in time. And if you haven't yet, uh, you won't know what to deal or, or how to deal with it, especially if you don't have you a mentor. You know, and it's funny because I know we have Dan Hanford as a common friend, and he talks about the fact that if somebody hasn't run a business, then, you know, it's hard to believe that they can run a syndication. Um, Spencer Hillegas is another guy who got a ton of respect for, and he talks about the ability to get up after you get punched in the mouth. He looks for that in a sponsor. A sponsor just had some challenges, had a struggle, had to work their way out of it. Because you don't really find out who a person is when things are going well. You find out who they are when they're in, down and out and trying to find their way back. Listen, m my dad always said, you know, you don't know, you don't know what you're really made of until you get punched in the mouth. And then it, all the best game plans in the world go out the window once you get hit in the mouth. Because then you're in it and you got to respond and it's how you respond. So I, I think to your point, you know, for those that are listening, whether whether it's this show or, and we definitely encourage folks to listen to yours, you know understand that if if you're if you're struggling right now if you're going through some challenges if you've failed we all have we all continue to we'll continue to make mistakes what you're seeing on social media what you're hearing from other operators it's not always super easy i think uh, one of my uh, favorite operators especially on the west coast uh, zach happenstall over at rise 48 he says they're the best at losing uh, losing deals or missing out on deals ever because they they underwrite so many deals and he talks about it if you listen he's and they it's a great valuable lesson if you just get the newsletter and all their offerings and stuff like that you don't see all of what goes on behind the scenes and how much work they're putting in and how many times they're not winning a deal for all the ones that they do win so, yeah I mean, it's, it's tip of the iceberg man back to the marketing thing that you were talking about earlier right people really just want the icing they don't actually want to bake the cake they don't want to wash the dishes but that's what it actually takes to be successful in the business. And it doesn't matter whether you're active or passive, right? Passive investors feel like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they have a 15% IRR and they have a 15.8% IRR. Guess I'll go with that one. Right. It's so much deeper than that, especially if you don't understand their assumptions or market conditions or all the other things. And so the reason why private placement is kind of exclusive is because of the risk that is associated with it. You know, a lot of people are placing capital without doing what I consider to be prudent due diligence. But what do I know? Yeah. 
well, listen, uh, I think, you know, a lot, and I think it, it's a very valuable lesson. Cause even if you are an LP and, and you're just looking to passively invest and get some of that mailbox money, you should be doing a, a ton of research, not only in your operator, but also the markets so that they're invalidating that you think that those are good, that they're, they're stable. And listen, there are plenty of resources now with the internet that you can go find how to quickly analyze a market or a sub market or anything like that. But first and foremost, please do your research on the operator because it doesn't matter how good the market is. If they can't operate and actually, to your point, steer the ship and, and be successful in running that business, it doesn't matter how good the market is. They, you got to validate that. A so. lot of people have been saved by the market, which is most interesting as we go through these adjustments or corrections. Sure. It's going to yeah. be really fun to see who's the operator and who was you know, just kind of standing in the cockpit. Yep. It's um, somebody, what was it the other day? Somebody said, uh, when the tide goes out, you're going to figure out who was swimming naked the whole time. So it's a real thing. Well, Jerome, <laughs> uh, listen, I, I think there's a ton of valuable lessons. Hopefully our audience will go back and listen to this one multiple times. Cause I, I think there's a, a lot of golden nuggets in there for people to extract out and think about whether you're looking to be active investor or a passive and thinking about all the things that go into it and, and what you really have to do to be a, successful in this strategy. So I can't thank you enough for joining us. For those that maybe want to work with you, they want to connect with you, learn more from you, where's the best place folks can find you? Yeah, if they want to fall down the rabbit hole of Jerome and the stuff that we have going on, hop over to jeromemyers.co. And while you're there, you can pick your own journey, man. We've got a bunch of stuff from coaching to conferences to books that can help people on their journey, whatever it is. That's awesome. I can't highly re recommend the going to the site and consuming as much as you can, y'all. So please go out and visit. It, it's a lot of fantastic stuff. Jerome, you do a, a lot of great stuff for the community. So we appreciate it. And thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate the time. Cody, this was awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.